freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. We are doing a series called American, talking about the can-do spirit that is part of our American DNA. Absolutely. So much of our lives have been just turned upside down by this coronavirus, this COVID-19. And we're, be, we're hearing a lot about what we can't do and where we can't go. But in this series, we're going to talk to experts in their field, and, and we're going to learn lots of ways that we can still learn and grow, train and connect and expand our freedoms in ways that maybe we haven't even thought about before. Today, our guest is Mitch Denham. Mitch is the president of a grassroots pro-rights group called Delaware Gun Rights, or DGR. DGR was founded in 2018 and has been fighting the onslaught of anti-gun bills from a Democrat majority in that state. And I want to put an asterisk right there next to the Democrat majority, because we're going to talk about that piece of it and how the Second Amendment is not political, but it has become entrenched, has become entangled in politics. Um, and in a matter of a few months after DGR went from an idea, right? In a matter of months, it went from an idea to 24,000 members. And they are just a little over two years old now. And we are so excited to talk with Mitch. Thank you for coming on, Mitch. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Um, get, helping us get the word out that we exist and, and what we're doing. Well, Mitch, what, what happened in Delaware? I mean, uh, all the gun shops closed? All right. So the governor stated that gun shops were considered sporting goods stores, therefore non-essential. Um, so a, a, a large number of different groups got together, Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, Delaware Gun Rights, the NRA, our state affiliate for the NRA, which is the DSSA. Um, they all got together and uh, had conversations with the governor. From our, our point of view, it was phone calls to the governor's office from people in DGR, um, you know, while the other organizations had their leadership in contact with the governor's office and the Firearms Policy Coalition threatening a uh, lawsuit. Um, and within a couple of days of that, the gun stores were allowed to be back open um, on an appointment-only basis. So you could call in, make an appointment, and go purchase a firearm, um, which isn't an ideal situation, but it is the uh, it is getting the stores open and allowing access to people to purchase firearms. Right. Well, thank goodness that there are people that are organized and uh, shoulder to shoulder, regardless 
of which party affiliation they ascribe to. And I, I did promise there was an asterisk next to that, uh, the idea that the Democrat majority uh, that was elected into your state uh, was one of the impetuses. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the right word, but it was an impetus mm -hmm. to cause people to get more uh, aware of the, the loss of their Second Amendment rights. But in, in the organizations that you just mentioned that are, are pushing back now and in your own organization, there are people from all walks of life and all uh, areas along the spectrum, uh, the political spectrum. So how does that work exactly? You know, how, how are the Democrats the villains in this story? And yet there are human beings, citizens, neighbors, right, of yours that, and mine, that describe to maybe being a Democrat, but yet they do value their Second Amendment rights. Because the Constitution isn't a Republican document, it's not a Democrat document, it's not a Libertarian document, it's not a Green Party document, it's a document for the people. So why it says we the people right at the beginning of it. And it's not a constraint on the people, it's the constraint of the government by the people. Um, and, and a lot of government officials, and, and it seems like people that are in, in the Democratic Party, a, a large number of them that are in those elected offices seem to forget that. But the Democrats that are people that are you know, you, just like you and I, they don't um, prescribe to that logic. They, um, they know that they have a family they need to protect or a business that they need to protect. Or maybe they just like a little range therapy every now and again to get rid of some stress. And um, they understand that. And they're not all about toting whatever party agenda. Uh, they're all about you know, liberty and, and protecting themselves and, and their hobby if it's a hobby for them. So um, I think that we seem to want to say Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. I don't think that has anything to do with it other than, than some of the leadership in the Democrat Party doesn't um, see eye to eye with the people having guns. And I'm pretty positive that has more to do with the ability to fight back than the actual firearms themselves. Um, but it is a... Uh, you know, it's not a party thing. It's it's an American thing. Civil rights and human rights are all the people's, not just some of them. Absolutely. And I, I love how you stated that. And it's so true uh, that, A, it's not a political issue. It has just become a political issue. And, B, the Bill of Rights that is in this super thick, heavy-duty document that so few of us have read, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the, the one that I'm holding in my hand is all of uh, 45 pages long, takes, you know, maybe an hour and a half of your time to read. Please, everyone listening and watching, please take the time to read it for yourself. Don't let other people just interpret it for you. But the Bill of Rights is that firewall. It is supposed to restrict what the government can do in our personal lives. And you said that so beautifully. And, and I think that that is the great unifier. And that is why there are powers out there that are seeking with everything they are and everything they can do to, to confuse and to divide and to rip that, that apart. Uh, but then there's organizations like DGR that you've put together and, you know, you have a level of participation that I think is enviable. There are a lot of states across the nation that are facing the same difficulties that you're facing. 
and they don't have the level of participation and attention and focus that you guys have. And how important would you say people getting involved and participating is? Um, our government uh, on every level from city all the to county to state level to federal level is designed for the part participation of the people. Um, it's a representative system. So they're there to represent you and they can't represent your values on how you feel if they don't know what those things are. They don't know how you feel. They don't know what your values are. They can't say, okay, Mitch my, is, is a voter in my district and he feels this way if Mitch doesn't call and say, hey, um, I don't think you should vote this direction or I think you should vote that direction um, because that's what I want as a citizen. Then they understand what their uh, constituency is, is really made up of, the type of people, the values of their constituency and what, what the majority of the people in their district or state or whatever want. Um, so it's, participation is mandatory for it to work properly and you can't complain if you don't participate. Um, you have to, I don't care what it is, you want to stop sign at the end of the street. That's a phone call to your representative. That's a phone call to your senator, your city councilman, your county councilman, someone to get that done. Instead of saying, hey, look, the street really needs a stop sign. Well, why not make a phone call? 10 minutes out of your life, you may make a difference and actually make a change as opposed to sitting there complaining and crying and being upset about something that you feel like you have no control over, when in reality, you have all the control. Gosh, that's so true. You know, we expect uh, our representatives to be mind readers, I think, oftentimes. Wouldn't you say, Dan? Oh, yeah. Right. And, you know, we've got, to, we've got to communicate with them because I guess it's like being married for 35 years. <laughs> that if you don't tell each other what you want, how are they going to know? That's, that's, a great, uh, that's a great comparison. Um, so how do people begin to get involved? Mitch, I mean, if, if I have somebody that... You know, I don't even know who my representatives are. You know, I just, I wasn't raised to, to be like a rabble rouser or somebody that was ever, you know, out there trying to push my ideas on others. You know, there's a lot of, of mental and emotional roadblocks that people have to even getting involved. So what would you say to somebody that is, is sitting there thinking, I hate what I see happening, but I truly feel out of my depth to do anything about it and make that phone call about the stop sign. Cause what if I'm wrong? Well, the first thing is figuring out something that you're passionate about, uh, whether it be protecting, you know, the civil rights of people, or whether it be protecting speed limits or, or something, you have to find something that you're passionate about and say, Hey, look, I see a, uh, a problem here that needs to be resolved, and I'm 100% truly passionate about it. For me, that was the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Um, for some people, it may be um, women's health as far as whether abortion should or shouldn't be something that happens. For some people, it may be um, the immigration status of people in the country. For some people, it may just be, hey, look, there's a lot of trash on my street. So if you um, find something that you're passionate about, get educated, you know, read about it, understand it, and look at it and, and find out where the root causes are, what the problems are, how do you resolve those problems. Then 
you can go to your state's legislative website or your city's website or your county's website and look up who your representation is based on your address. Almost all of them have the ability to put your address in and they'll tell you who all your elected officials are that represent you. There'll be phone numbers and emails listed, okay? Email is probably the least intimidating way to get started because you don't have to look someone in the face and you don't have to worry about their response while you're saying it. So you can say, hey, I feel this way about this. This is where my facts come from. This is why I think you should do what you need to do to move this in this direction. Then uh, once you get comfortable with that and, and a discourse happens, usually they'll have a staff member reach back out to you or they may reach out to you personally. Um, once you have that discourse happen, you can then feel comfortable in a phone call. Then you can call their office, have a couple inter, uh, changes as far as phone calls go. Hey, look, you know, I feel this way. And they'll let you know why or why they don't feel that way also. And then after you're comfortable doing that, it's really easy to show up because now you have a comfort level. So you call your, your senator, your representative, your county councilman, your city councilman and say, hey, um, I really like to set up an appointment time to come talk to you and sit down with you and see um, what we can do to resolve my issue. They will make that time. Um, they kind of have to, because in November that is when they get their report card, okay? So um, they're scared they're going to lose your vote. All politicians all fear, fear a vote. That's what they do. And they're always looking for how can they get more. So that's their currency is the voting. Um, some people operate in, in cash and some people operate in, in gold and they operate in votes, right? So that's what their currency is. So they'll sit down with you and make an, and talk to you about whatever your position is, how you feel about things, what you're trying to do. And then uh, they'll explain to you their position. You know, you might change their mind, they might change your mind, no minds might be changed at all, but at least you participated in the process, and they know that they can count on you for a vote on election day if they solve your problem. They also know that they can count on the vote for somebody else if they don't. Um, right. And that's what's really important is, is you got to put that fear that they'll lose a vote if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Otherwise, they're just going to continue to do whatever the party tells them to do in both directions, Republican and Democrat. Right. That's very interesting what you said about voting, you know, that it's kind of a currency for them. It's a commodity. So the, the unfortunate thing is there's so many people in the gun side that, that have right, right people that, uh, that don't vote. Yeah, it's a shame. You, know, you stand up for something by owning a firearm, which is protection of yourself or the country or whatever. And then you don't participate on the most important part, which is uh, the elected officials that um, govern things that are supposed to listen to you. You know, you can't you can't stand up government and feel that the the tree of liberty when it's time to do that. If you didn't participate in the rest of the process, it's just a um, it's just not the right way to do it. So. Um, I think the biggest fear for most people is that they're going to have jury duty if they register to vote. <laughs> when in reality, it's not taken from the registration thing. It's actually taken from your driver's license. Uh, when you have a driver's license, you're automatically registered for jury duty, at least in the state of Delaware. Um, and they, they feel like, oh, if I, if I register to vote, I may get called for jury duty. Well, you know, that's kind of part of participating in the whole process, too. You know, you can't just participate in one part and not the other. So um, I, th I think that uh, people need to understand that registering to vote is important. 
they need to vote in every vote election that they can vote in. Doesn't matter what it is. Everything from school board elections all the way up to who, who the president is. And we all seem to forget that the most important elections are the local ones. The federal government doesn't really have that much control over your life um, because of states' rights. So your local people are the ones that you really need to be involved in. The, the city councils, the county councils, and the, and the statewide elections and, and stuff like that, that is the important stuff because they get to dictate your daily day-to-day -day life. The federal government gets to give them guidelines to operate inside of. So it's kind of one of those things where we, we, we focus on who's the president, Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George Bush, but who's your city councilman? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Most, most, people don't, most people don't know. And that is where a lot of these politicians, and I, I make that distinction, politician versus public servant, that is where they get their foothold. They start in at a very right. low level election that people don't care, they're not paying attention. And then three or four offices later, suddenly the, the, the mask starts slipping a little bit and we start seeing, oh, wait a minute. This person isn't representing their their oath that they took to uphold our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, um, and and they just by then they they've got a name recognition, and that's really you know all she wrote there. As long as soon as somebody has name recognition, people kind of blindly walk into the voting booth, and they either right. will just check check the name because they remember hearing it don't really remember anything specific about the person, but they're like, well, if I heard their name a lot, they're probably okay. They're famous. Or they just do that straight R ticket, straight Republican, or that straight D ticket, that straight Democrat. And, you know, if you are a constitutionalist, if you are someone that really, truly understands the responsibility that we have in the inheritance that this constitution is, that was handed down to us through the generations that was written because people fought, bled, starved, and died for the right to even put it pen to paper. If you are someone that cares about that, then you can't just sit there and do the lazy way of voting. Anyway, you can't just say, well, Republicans generally stand for the constitution, so I'm going to just vote all Republicans. No, no, no. We cannot afford to do that at all. And you can't, you know, just discount somebody that has a D next to their name either. Well, you could see that with the Patriot Act. I mean, I was in Republican leadership during the Patriot Act, and that was a, a violation of the Constitution. I mean, and illegal search and seizure and all kinds of stuff like that that occurred as a, as a result of uh, the Patriot Act. And, and now I understand that 9-11 happened and we were trying to catch terrorists and all that good stuff but at, at what at what uh cost what did it cost us you know what civil liberties did we lose what privacy did we lose you know those kind of things and and i see the same thing happening with guns is they, they try to say oh what about the babies what about the babies but they don't talk about cases where a 13 year old protected their little brother little sister while babysitting from a burglar they don't discuss that those are three lives that could have ended without a gun you know so it's a it's a uh Interesting, it's always fear that they try to push. I mean, it's the same thing with COVID-19. They're, they're pushing fear um, that you could possibly die as a, as a justification for uh, the destruction of the Constitution. And, and I'm sorry, but, you know, I, Jefferson said it best, you know, I would prefer a little bit of uh, 
um, Comfort. unsafe liberty. Yeah. yeah, I would like I would like some unsafe liberty. Yes, <laughs> as, opposed, as, 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 as opposed to uh, some 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 comfortable tyranny, you know. So that's and that's the that's the uh, that's the real problem with it. Is, you know, people want that comfort. They want to be able to say, "Hey, look, I don't have to worry about this." Well, when do you realize that you're gonna have to start worrying about, you know, are we Venezuela or are we a communist country, or when when does that happen? So. And, you know, if you look at history, that stuff wasn't done by force in successful situations. You know, you look at the Roman Empire, you look at the, the, the uh, British Empire, the Greeks, the, the uh, Egyptians, the Babylonians. It was all done incrementally. It wasn't mm-hmm. done like, oh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're, we're Romans. No, they took little pieces of land, gave people things for those pieces of land. And then... Um, he said, hey, you're now a Roman. You'd be, you'd be a part of our society, and here's the taxes that you have to pay to Caesar. And the same, same thing happens, happens here, you know. Uh, we're going to take this a little bit from you, but we're going to give you this mm-hmm. replace, to replace it. And, and all of a sudden, we're in a country that doesn't resemble uh, what we thought it should be or, or what it actually is. So um, that's, that's the scary part of all of it. And, you get, and participation fixes that. You get out there and you realize – who these low-level guys are early, mm-hmm. you know, you, you figure out who um, this person is because they wouldn't make an appointment with you or they wouldn't listen to your phone call. Then you know who you're dealing with, you know, because they're they're going to show their true colors mm-hmm. when it comes time to actually being face to face with someone. It's really easy to take your it's hard to take Uh oh. Yeah, we pretty much lost you, Mitch. I'm so sorry. The the sound was a little sketchy even as we were going, but um, we're going to have to have you back on when we can get a better connection. Absolutely. Uh, And I I just need everybody to know that whether you're in Delaware and you can you know actively participate in the Delaware gun rights organization or whether you are in some other state um i would imagine just like here in arizona we have the arizona citizens defense league you can be a member a and and help support the work that the arizona citizens defense league does and not be in the state of arizona because what happens in one way one state will happen in others And so I, uh, I was going to ask Mitch that, and, and we lost him, unfortunately. But, um, but I would imagine that you uh, absolutely can um, join and help financially support uh, gun rights, uh, Delaware Gun Rights, DGR, uh, from any state. And if you are in Delaware, then absolutely get involved in this group. because We'll have a link on our page, won't we? Absolutely, yes. So that if you'd like to join and help them, I mean, it's just a few bucks here, a few bucks there, but it really will help. It sure will. Wherever you are across the country, I would encourage you to look up the website for Delaware Gun Rights. It's my mydgor.com, M-Y-D-G-R.com. I think I said that right, did I? If I didn't trip on my tongue there. And uh, see what you can do to help out, whether you're in Delaware or whether you are somewhere else across the nation, there are things that we can do 
from one state to another, helping those organizations that are shoulder to shoulder with the rest of us in trying to restore and trying to protect and preserve our rights to uh, keep and bear arms. And, yeah, and it's super DGR important. is doing that. Right. And, you know, you can also uh, go to gunfreedomradio.com mm-hmm. and you can see the link there. But it is oh, important. Yeah. We're click. seeing right now, well, we're seeing. Let's just tell them how. If you go oh. to Gun Freedom Radio, you click the guest tab. Okay. And then you look for Mitch Denham. You will find a link to the work that they're doing there. Right. But we are seeing it. We're witness to it right now. We're losing a lot of our rights. Mm-hmm. And uh, the governors are doing it state by state. Mm, terrible. And, you know, they'll do something and we have to fight to get it back. And a lot of them are giving up and, and restoring our rights, but some aren't. And you get states like California, Washington, New Jersey. They're, they're fighting hard to take our rights away from us. So they are. And we, you know, they never, they meaning the people that really want to infringe our rights, they never take a nap. Never, no, never put their feet up, never sit on their laurels. And we have to have that same dedication. And remember that they are not just the Democrats because no. there are some Democrats out there that believe in our rights. Mm-hmm. So you have to study, you have to listen and you have to learn and then go after the people that are trying to take your rights away. Absolutely. And I, I had to giggle a little bit when Mitch was talking about, um, that people are afraid to register to vote because they think they're going to get called to jury duty. Oh my gosh. If that's your level of commitment, I mean, come on people, really. I mean, seriously, you're going to make me use my mom voice right now because I always, my mind goes back to the men and women who put everything on the line to push back a tyrannical government. And you're afraid that you're going to get jury duty. Yes. Like that's silly. Suppose that General George Washington said, "Well, I really, really do want to fight for freedom, but I might have to sleep in a tent or something." Yeah, so, that's the uh, poor, poor eh, excuse. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's let's really understand and appreciate and honor our legacy of freedoms and liberties and the inheritance that has been just gifted to us by the fact that we were blessed to be born in this imperfect nation. It's imperfect, right? Everything's imperfect because we're human. The, the, the document has some imperfections, but it was written by humans. And so it's up to us to do the best we can to support the, the really good work that was put in. So why aren't they registering? Why do they want to register to vote? So they don't go to jury duty? You said duty. I said duty. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your, there's your bad dad joke. That's, check that off the list. Okay. All right. Well, we, are, we have to get out of here because uh, this is actually being recorded. You brought up uh, being married 35 years. 35 years. Our anniversary is actually today. Today, the day that we're in the studio recording this. And uh, holy cow, happy anniversary, Mr. Happy Todd. Happy anniversary to you too. What happened 35 years ago? What what was the world like 35 years ago? That was a long time ago. Was, was Who was our president? 85, and it was just, uh, you know, I mean, the the generation that we raised, that's where the millennials came from. Oh no. And so, you know, when we want to, you know, kind of turn a jaundice eye and and snark at the millennials, it's like we did it. We got to hold that mirror up and go. 
oh, that was us that raised that generation. And we weren't teaching them about our constitution for whatever reason. Um, but we, a lot of us are grand, it's not too late grandparents now, now right? <clears throat> Pardon me. And so, you know, we are, we're doing what we can. Uh, we, we mostly did what we could with our daughter and, you know, we weren't as tapped in as we are now to understanding our right. constitutional rights and, and how politics work and that sort of thing. And so now that we are, we are held to, uh, that responsibility to do that with our grandchildren as, as much as we possibly can. So, yeah, when the, when the grandbaby says, I want a cookie, and you say no, and they say, no, I have a right to have a cookie. That uh, shows you that <laughs> we're doing something, right? That, yeah, well, and that is a, uh, that's a conversation opener yeah. right there. You're infringing on my rights if I can't have a cookie. Yeah, right. All right, well, we've got to get out of here, but I just do want to thank our awesome listeners. You could be doing anything. Uh, I, I want to say you could be anywhere, but right now you're probably under hashtag quarantine life like the rest of us. Um, but the fact that you are spending your time with us, that is your most finite commodity. And uh, we so value that. So thank you. And thank you to our guest today, Mitch Denham and all the work that he does and the, the members of DGR, Delaware Gun Rights. They had us out um, maybe about a year ago. And uh, they had a rally there and I was one of their speakers and I was so honored to, to join them and just see the energy that they have. Well, they were voting right then at the time we were there, right? Yes. It was really interesting because people from the uh, legislature, I guess you mm -hmm. call it, mm -hmm. they came out and listened. They did. And it was very interesting. We had both sides on there and they had some really tough bills that they were trying to push through. And from what I understand, there was three of them that didn't get, they didn't get pushed through at that time. Yeah, well, there's a, yeah, it, we were very, yeah. we, meaning the people that showed up there, not just, you know, the speakers, were very effective at, at showing our presence and, and having our voices heard right. um, by that legislature at, at the moment they were walking in to vote, and it did make a difference. Your vote makes a difference. Your voice makes a difference. Please get educated, get involved. And, and when one of those legislatures comes up and says, where are you from? And you say, Arizona, and this is in Delaware. They look at you like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. And that's a message we sent them that, mm -hmm. you know, this is important wherever we are. Yeah, it's important so, enough to fly all the way across the country. Right. And maybe, and maybe risk getting called to jury duty. <gasps> what? You said it again. You said duty. Oh, I said duty again. All right. Um, all right. Well, pray for our nation. It needs it. The nation itself as a whole needs prayer. Pray for our representatives. We call them our leaders, but pray for our representatives. I, you know, I've been hearing some stories. I have a couple of issues with a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And one of them has to do with ice cream. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, thirteen dollars a bucket a pint, a pint for, for a pint, pint of ice. Look, you know what? If they if the company can can make an ice cream that people will pay thirteen bucks a pint, God bless them, right? Yeah. But when the politician, who is a politician, not a public servant, in my opinion, uh, shows that off and says, "You know what? We're all in this together." Yeah. I know this quarantine life, and we're all just really you know, sacrificing and we're in this together. She's having her very high level, you know, expensive ice cream that the rest of us probably couldn't fit in our budget, but especially right now, you know, and if people can afford it, God bless them. But, but when you're the representative of a bunch of people that are really struggling right now, 
not the best look, not the best optics. Yeah, maybe she'll but, eat a whole, 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 whole bunch of that ice cream and but, have a good time. But pray for her too. All, all of them. Yeah. All, all of our representatives, even the ones you don't like, and especially the ones. It's not that I, that I don't, don't like her. It's not that. Yeah. I, it's not that I don't like her. I just can't stand her. Okay. I'm sure she is. But if she walked by beside me, person. if and I saw would... her, I would say hi to her. I would. I really would. I would say hi to sure. her. And sure. I'd say, you know what, Nancy? Oh, I said the word, didn't I? I would say, Nancy, <laughs> I'm praying for you. That's okay. But see, I am she says it, it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit like, bless your heart. She doesn't, I don't think she really says it the same way we do. But maybe. I can't read her heart. Anyway, we got to get yeah, out of here. You can't. Nobody can read her heart. She didn't have one. Have well, a, she might have one. Stop. There might be one. No. Stop. You know what? She, I think she just clouded. I think her over all the years of service that she gave the country, some of them good. Mm-hmm. I think she's just clouded. And I, I think she needs to step down and let somebody else in there that can handle the job. Because, you know, we all get to a point where we can't handle our jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think she's at that point. I'm not here to bash you, Nancy. I'm really not. I, I think you served the country well at one time. <laughs> All right. On that note, we are going to get out of here and go enjoy. So did I say I was going to pray or not pray? I I think you said you would. Okay. Okay. And I think you were sincere. Were you sincere? Oh, I'm totally sincere. Totally. Now I'm not sure. I am. (laughs) All right. Have a great week. Be good to each other. God bless. We will see you on our next show. Let's go have some ice cream. Let's go have some ice cream. Happy anniversary. (laughs) 